Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. In today's episode, we're doing another in our TNR 2.0 interview sessions. And in a couple minutes, we're going to introduce Steve Foran. But first, let's set the stage. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. And Greg, I think this is our third interview in a row. Our third interview. And you know, it's great because uh, we love reaching out to others that either we know or people have pointed us to and said, hey, you got to speak with this person. They're, they really have some great insights and ideas, a, a good story uh, to help folks to be uh, better as managers, to grow and learn. And uh, Steve's one of those that kind of came from a, a friend of a friend. That sounds like an old foreigner song. I heard it from a friend. No, I won't go into the music. That's not good. You can say whatever you want, just don't sing. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Although I did sing when I was a kid, but I think I've lost some of that skill, but this is one of those ones. It's great. And so we're excited because we, you always say, Alistair, that we, you know, we've got lots of experience uh, uh, and we're always eager to learn from others. So this is another one of those wonderful uh, chances to do that. And we've quite often uh, leaned on our friend group to come on here, but also, you know, there's occasions when we get people referred to us that we've never spoken before and it always turns out well. Mm-hmm. So let's move on here. We both have been managers for a long time. We have both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. We've been hosting this podcast series dealing how we and others have missed the mark. And we've always called this the struggle to be a good manager. And as we work through this podcast series, we realize there might be topics, struggles, or experiences that aren't our own and that we should welcome others to the table at the diner where this all started about three years ago or so. And Greg, we keep talking about going back but we have not gone back. Time to go back to the diner, I, I think so. Now, talking, uh, not ranting 2.0 is where we are getting a chance to learn and grow from others' experience in managing and being managed, great experiences which helped others grow, and maybe less great experiences where others learned what not to do. This is where we also get a chance to talk with folks that are doing great work to make our society a better place to be. And with everything else TNR undertakes, we want to have a good, healthy conversation, Greg, and I think this is really what we do. It, it, it is, and I think we're going to have another one of those today. I think so, too. So, without ado, by telephone, from Halifax, Steve, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, uh, Alistair. Great. Uh, thanks, Greg, as well. So, Steve, before we get into things, I think we need to introduce you to our listening audience. And uh, Thank you. You sent us a bunch of stuff, and it's just really interesting. So, you were on the career path to be an electrical engineer, you began exploring the relationship between gratitude and philanthropic giving. You have an MBA. You, uh, you've been writing and conducting practice-based gratitude research and the teaching habits of gratefulness for more than 15 years. You've, uh, you've got this science-based program, Gratitude at Work. It's simple yet innovative. And you founded gratitude at work in 2006 and started hosting conversations about these things. And you've written a book, Surviving to Thriving, The 10 Laws of Grateful Leadership. And it's very well acclaimed. Uh, you've gotten a bunch of awards. And I'm really looking forward, Greg, to talking with Steve today. Another person that's written a book, Greg. That is right. And you know what? I love when you were doing that, uh, the introduction. And, you know, I'm sure our listeners are thinking, okay, let me, uh, I'm sorry, did he say an 
engineer who's shifted and focused his life on gratitude and the impact of leadership and organization yeah. and relationships <laughs> and relationships. <laughs> you, you're hearing it right, ladies and gentlemen. This is true. Now, I shouldn't say that. I know many empathetic uh, engineers, but the the shift and uh, in some of the stories in your book where you describe kind of your journey really is positive. So I just wanted to clarify for folks: it is true. You did hear it, hearing it here, uh, right here, uh, and we're looking forward to diving a little bit deeper. You know, this there, there is a myth. Engineers, we do have hearts. They're dark charcoal gray, but we do have hearts. <laughs> They're just very organized hearts. Yeah, they're very organized. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It, it, that, that, I think, is probably one of the, the hooks that gets a lot of people. How do, how do you end up doing this when you did that? Uh, but it's interesting when you look at your life, um, not in the rearview mirror, but you just turn around to reflect. Because I, I, I really believe, as as managers and leaders, we learn a lot about ourselves by just the journey that we've taken to get where we are today. I don't know. What do you guys think around that? Because to me, it, it's been very powerful. Yeah, that's well. That is exactly the whole intention of this podcast. Is we, you know, when we started, uh, Steve, we were we we're in a diner. And we were talking through some of uh, some of our journeys and what we learned. And although Alistair and I have a, have many things in common, we are very different in our in our life journeys and our work journeys. And we did find that there were some similarities, but there were lots of differences. And and Alistair, I think, said, you know, we should just share some of these things. Uh, because both both the things that that we've uh, seen done well, the things that we haven't seen done well, the things that we've done well, and the missteps that we've made, and the things that we've learned, and I believe you're 100. Uh, percent I agree 100. Percent is our experience shape us, and and as importantly, it's what we decide to do with those experiences and how we decide to grow from them, and and that leads us to actually our first question, which is really tapping into yours and we are going to spend some time really diving into the grateful leadership piece and the work that you're doing now but we usually like to start out with just kind of getting your experiences and maybe you could share some of your experiences that have positively helped shape and grow you as a team member or a leader or uh, of those types of things yeah well I want to just share an experience that happened to me this evening when um, I was introduced on this podcast and for you listening, this is a, this is a really, really important concept. I think to guess uh, Greg and Alistair immediately transferred their trust in me. And if you just go back and replay the introduction, you know um, they've, it's their reputation that is on the line here because this is their podcast. I'm gone next week, right? Um, But this whole principle that Greg, you and Alistair did to me, do you know how welcoming that was to me as an individual coming into this, this conversation that we're having? And so as we think about, you know, in organizations, when we're leading and managing, you know, what, what do we do to trend? What does someone have to do to earn our trust? And what rules and constraints do we put around them that could take away 
that transfer of trust because really I didn't feel any rules or constraints on me coming into this. And so that transfer of trust that you gave to me is a gift and I receive it with gratitude and I want to show up as my best when I, when I receive that. And um, I, I think as managers and leading in organizations, oftentimes I heard someone, uh, a, a, a local speaker here, Phil Jewell, he talks about, we create rules for the 5% that constrain the 95%. And Phil says it a lot better than me. But you, you don't do that. You just transfer your trust to me, and it's very empowering. And I think as managers, as leaders, as human beings, there's a big lesson to be learned there. Um, yeah, interested in thoughts on that. And I, I, I do have a couple other learnings if you, if you want to hear them, too. I, I don't want to belabor it, but yeah. Yeah, we do, uh, definitely. So first of all, I love that, and I've, I've often believed that. And, you know, I, my, most of my experience was in HR, so the rule makers in many cases, and often the reactive rule makers as a result of that 5%. Um, and it so limits the creativity, the growth, the freedom, the impact of others versus uh, those 5% have a direct conversation with them around the gap that's, there, that's currently being experienced versus applying some new rule across the board that, that inhibits. And so I do love that concept and believe strongly in that ability to create the space. You know, I, I also wrote that book, uh, In Search of Safe, Brave Spaces, which is creating the space for people to thrive, creating the space for people to be both feel both safe and be brave, which is, I think, what you're you're talking about. And uh, I'd love to d- dive a little bit deeper around that. So, what are the things that that maybe you've experienced besides? Well, I'm glad Alistair and I fulfilled and and lived up to that uh, yeah. the, the example, which I th- I think our intention is always to do that. Uh, but what were some of the experiences that are the other things that you've seen that uh, really do create that level of trust and freedom to, you know, bring your whole self uh, to work. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you a couple other ones. And I wasn't just throwing that out there to you and Alistair to edify you just so that you'd toss me lob balls for the rest of the conversation. <laughs> we'll take it, Steve. But, we'll take um, it. We'll take it. <laughs> um, I, I think a couple uh, supervisors, bosses, you know, people that I worked for through my career and, um, I, I just tell you a couple stories and just jump in at any time if uh, if you want to probe or, or just move on to another question. But one of the first ones was Bruce. And I was early in my career. I'm working in a utility company. I'm an engineer. We're very process driven on rules. And I applied for an opportunity that, you know, according to the, the rule book, I was I was I was too I didn't have enough experience to, to apply for it. And, and Bruce, he kind of like you guys, he, he put his, I think he, he put his credibility on the line for me to say, no, I want, in spite of all this, I want Steve to be in this role. I want to hire him. We're going to put this plan in place and da, da, da. I mean, he went out on a limb for, he didn't have to do that. And I would do anything for that guy and, and not, and not that I felt that he was doing it so that I would do anything for him, 
because I didn't. I think he truly believed it was the right thing to do. Um, I, I talked about another supervisor, Jeff, who we would meet once a week. We would do um, um, just our weekly check-in, and his mantra was, Steve, I, w- I want to know what, what's going on, what's working, what isn't, not because, Steve, you're in trouble. What can I do to support you? And, and he wasn't trying to take things off my plate. I've, I've had supervisors who, you know, here's an issue or whatever, and they would take it and run with it. That's not why I'm telling you. I want, I'm just, you, you want to know, I, I want to do this. I, you know, but Jeff did not, do, he was just like, okay, so let's talk through this. And like, he would lean in with curiosity. And I'm just, and the reason I'm telling you all this, because these are things I learned from just, absolutely amazing leaders and boss that I got to report to. And one, one more quick one. And so Jeff did, we did that every single week. Um, and, and the, uh, the other person I want to talk about is Robbie and I worked for him in two different organizations. And I remember one time, but he put my interest in my personal growth and development actually ahead of what you'd think the company's was. I remember one time he looked at me and he was saying, you know, we were having a conversation about future. Where do you want to go? Um, your career aspirations. And he looked, he said, Steve, have you, have you ever thought about leaving the company? And, you know, when your boss asks you that question, you kind of wonder, what did I do wrong? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but that was not his intent. He was just like, um, if you want to move up in this company, it, he, he was saying it might be better for you to go somewhere else for three or four years and come back because it's hard to be a, a preacher in your own town, right? That was his message. It's just like if you go away and get some ex- external experience and come back, the company will see value in you more than ever. And those are three people who just really invested in me as a human being um yeah they're just there and those are right off the tip of my tongue yeah. we, we didn't tee this conversation up those are right off the tip i think you know you you said something there and it just sent my my mind back in time that just uh that trust but also i've had a couple of those conversations where uh, I remember uh, it was in my paramilitary experience in the police when uh, a staff sergeant, uh, when I was turning first class, uh, we were having a conversation. He said, Alistair, good job. You're going to be first class. You, you've done it. You've made it this far. Uh, now, where are you going to go? I went, what? He says, listen, <laughs> it, there, it's an old boys network here. You need to go downtown. You need to go and get some experience. Uh, otherwise, it's not going to be good for you here. And 18 days later, I was in a different place and I was fourth senior person on the road. And five months after that, I was in the fraud squad for the first time. So the things you're saying really resonate with me. It's taking me back to, and that's just one person and this isn't about me, but it just bang, it took me right back to about three or four people. And that, that person was probably the most influential, the earliest, but I think that's really, really, uh, just wonderful. And it's just making me think, and I hope it makes our, our, our listeners think back as well and just appreciate those people and, uh. Greg? Yeah, I just want to tease out uh, a couple things on each of those examples that I, I also thought they were positive. So first of all, Bruce, 
What I loved about that was Bruce saw your potential beyond where you were even and, mm-hmm. and saw that. And so I love that similar to Alistair, your story, you know, you reach your, what you think is your peak, but that, that person saw your next level and you might not have even seen it. So kind of, uh, was brave for mm-hmm. you, helped you actually see. But what I also loved about the Bruce story was he also said, I've got a plan. So there's one thing to say, you can do anything you want, see you later. Uh, or there's one thing to say, um, uh, you can, I believe in you, and together we're gonna build a plan to help you be successful. So for Bruce, I just, I don't sure, those were two things that I really picked up that I loved. Um, the, uh, for Jeff, one of the things I love the best is part of a plan is regular mentorship and guidance, but it's not doing, yeah. it's about holding space for you mm-hmm. to discover. And I just, I'm just halfway through a book called Quiet Leadership by David Rock. I'm not sure if you've read that before, but it's a great book around, and it's basically, uh, his philosophy is how do you create a space for people to think for themselves and to bubble up the the insights and ideas that they need to move forward, which increases ownership, uh, which inc- increases confidence and belief. And as you talked about Jeff, uh, I love that that story, uh, and I think what he did. And the last thing I want to just go is Rob, is for me, as I listen to you, Rob sounds like he was a very much an abundance thinker. Uh, you know, a scarcity oh thinker is. I got to hold on to this person because I, I don't want to lose them because then I got to find someone. An abundance thinker is saying, how do I really help this person grow and learn with actually that uh, ability to come and go back? I've always believed strongly in the alumni idea where if people work mm-hmm. from you, you support them on their way out and you keep connected with your stars and your really great performers because Either A, they'll come back, or B, they'll be your biggest promoter to say, go work for Jeff, go work for Bruce, go work for Rob. Or we should do business with them. Right. So I uh, really, Steve, I loved all three of your stories, and I just wanted to highlight at least what I heard, and there's probably other great insights in each of them, but those are the things that I heard that really bubbled up for me. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, just accurate on all accounts as well too and some insights there that you know, i i hadn't seen myself or, or hadn't really thought about there you know especially around the plan that you talked about with bruce but you're right in hindsight it, it was key in him being able to convince the organization to hire me mm-hmm. like even he, as the hiring manager his hands was being tied in um so yeah, thanks, thanks for that, Greg. And what do you think he um, saw in you, Steve, that really made him like? Part of it is that you yeah, be able to see the nugget, the the diamond in the rough, or whatever. What did he did he ever talk to you about what what uh, what he saw in you that that he thought, hmm, that's something that I see your future. Um, nothing that thirty years of history. Um, hasn't already erased that I can uh, recall. I, I, I don't know. I just remember him talking about the unfairness of simply having, you need to have seven years experience mm. or whatever the, or whatever that number, like he said, this is arbitrary. It's not right. We'll let's put this plan in place. We'll do this and we'll 
feed, you're going to feel like you're shackled, that you have to meet this, meet this, meet this, and we're not going to pay you at this rate because you don't have this. And, and then after, I don't know, six months or a year, he went back to, and it was HR because they had an incredible amount of control over this process-driven yeah. company. Head of, a, head of HR was an engineer, like, uh-huh. at, like power company, utilities are great for engineers. Uh, he went back a year later and said, uh, here's where we are with everything around that we agreed to. Um, I now propose we throw this entire plan out and treat Steve as we would any other qualified applicant that would have applied here. Like it just, and, it, and guess what? He sold them on it and it wow. went through like it, it just, it, it, you know, I don't know what he saw, but Greg, you kind of said, Steve, I don't know if you even knew what he saw or you might not even realized it. And you're absolutely right. As managers and as leaders, we have a responsibility. You listening have a responsibility to help people see things in themselves that they don't even realize that they have. Cause mm. I know that, you, you know, each of us wake up every morning and to have some degree of imposter syndrome and, you know, anyone that says that to me, I just look at them and say, welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because it, that's just a fact of life. But as a leader, as a manager in an organization, it's really important to help people see what they, they, they struggle to even see in themselves. And, and Bruce did that for me, for sure. Wow. Steve, I, I love that that seven-year rule thing. And I think in every place that I've worked, there's been, well, you have to be in the position for three years. The discussion is never around, can I do it? Do I have the aptitude to do it? You know, how are you going to help yeah. me? And I've been in a few places where that rule uh, exists. And uh, I think it's I think it's a hindrance to so many things. It causes people to leave, uh, go elsewhere. And I really like that you brought that up. I don't know if that's ever come up in any of our conversations in the 104 episodes that we've done so far. But thank you for bringing that up because that is something we, we I think, people quietly lash out against in companies where, oh, you've got to do you know 1.7 years of work before you get an opportunity to do something. And I, I just really appreciate you bringing out that point. And, and I think yeah, you're good, thanks. And I think you're in, in today's world, Generation X, sorry, Generation Y and Z, they will say, see you later, buddy. Uh, Because, because, and and, uh, so Bruce was way ahead of his time because nowadays folks recognize that those arbitrary numbers of years uh, aren't going to work in today's world. And we're all different, right? We are all different. We all Mm -hmm. come to a job with certain aptitudes and skills and experience and the ability to learn new things and and really, I think there needs to be a bit of a, a shift towards who do we have here? Like, oh, this person really has a gift for this thing. And and uh, maybe they just need a nudge and maybe some resources. That's awesome. Um, Steve, were there any experiences that weren't as enabling? Uh, because one of the things we've talked about here and, and which came out in kind of the genesis of this podcast was there are times when the experiences aren't good, but we learned from that stuff as well. We learned the very least what not to do. But those can be very informative as well. Have you experienced any of those things? I'm smiling, almost laughing. Um, one of my first performance reviews when I was an engineer in training, and I lo- I loved this supervisor I had, and we sat down for the, the review, and I'm like six months out of school, 
I've got dreams for what I want to do in the company. And I, and you know, cause one of the questions on the evaluation after six months of work, and I had a solid six months work term, what do you want to do and where do you want to be? And I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but I'm pretty sure I still have the form downstairs because I, I've kept all my stuff and I wrote, you know, I wanted to grow in the company. I wanted to excel. I wanted to do all these things. And I remember at the end of the, our conversation, looking across at my, my boss and like my boss is old enough to be my dad. And he reads my paragraph and laughs. And it was just, I was just like, at, in, the, in, in the moment I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Like it was like someone like imagine a, scolding a kid in front of all the, all their friends, but it was done in private. And, um, and I still, I admire this person today. They're skilled at what, you know, their engineering skill and, and everything. And, uh, but, you know, I, I think what I learned was, you know, each of us have our own insecurities and our own, like, who's to say if the table wasn't reversed, maybe one day I would do the exact same thing to somebody else. So Steve, you know, I, I was, then I later got angry and, you know, all the other emotional things and I've, I've let it go and grown from it, but I kind of think, you know, maybe he had an off day. Maybe he was, maybe he, he didn't mean what I kind of interpreted from it. Uh, but I, I took it pretty like, man, I'm pouring my heart out here and, uh, you're making fun of me. That that's what it kind of felt like. And anyhow, that was very disempowering. It, um, yeah, it, and it, it, I felt discounted as a human being. Forget about being an engineer at, at uh, utility. I, I felt discounted as a human. Wow, that's that's so powerful, and uh, you you kind of took me back in my memory to uh, a whole series of annual reviews. And I think, Greg, this might be something that we have to revisit in our talks. I think we've talked about it once before, but I think uh, we've probably got a bunch more experience and just thoughts and memories come up. But how how vulnerable people are when they go in to see their boss and, and have that moment. And, uh, you know, Greg and I have been managers and leaders for a long time, supervisors or whatever we were. And I got to say, you know, just hearing you talk about that and, and, and hearing the emotion in your voice actually just took me back. And, you know, first it took me back to, yeah, I've been in a couple of those. And then I went, how have I been in a couple of those mm-hmm. as the boss, as the supervisor, as the manager? So that, uh, that point alone, uh, Steve, I think you've created a new podcast episode for us. I think Greg and I are going to have to go back and uh, it's in development. Let's put it that way. It's already spinning in my head. So thank you for that. And it's really taken me back both ways, you know, as the person sitting across, you know, on the other side of the desk and the person sitting behind the desk, I went, okay, okay, now, now we need some sober thought into this thing. Yeah. One of the things that was bubbling up for me, Steve, and I love your insights on is you said something, you said, you know, maybe just had a bad day maybe or something else was going on and that type of thing and we've done some we've had some conversation around the importance of a leader 
pausing and being in the right mindset as they enter into a conversation. Alistair, you just said it beautifully. You know, know that especially in situations where folks are coming into their boss, there's going to be some anxiety often. There's going to be some churn. And I just wondered whether or not, um, and this may lead into some of the dialogue around gratitude and some of the wonderful things that are part of your book, but what are your thoughts around how does a leader uh, prepare to show up? Um, because it is really about having the right mindset as you enter into that space. Um, even if you think that uh, uh, Steve's uh, writing and future description is a little uh, more uh, extended than you, you know than you would have think in this situation, but how right. do you how do you how do you what are what are your things that you've seen that are really helpful in showing up uh, for uh, these kinds of meetings? You know, one of the things that um that I've been doing is, you know, whether I'm working with a group CEOs or a group of um, a sales team or customer service in a in a call center, is for whatever the context, I'm going to be the best Steve Foreign that I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I am shooting for excellence. I am not perfect. So I want, I want you to know, I am not perfect at this, but I am doing my best at everything that I do. And when you see me veer or go astray or whatever the case is, I, I, you know, you're giving me a gift if you tee me up and tell me what that is. So um, let, let me know that. And so I, I'll verbalize that to mm-hmm. clients and groups that I'm working with them when I'm working with them. I, I, so I, to me, I think humility is, is one of those things that is really important to have as a leader. Cause it, he could have been having a, a bad day for whatever the case is. And it's easy to, I'm the oldest of five. So I tend to have a natural tendency to judge others. And, you know, so to refrain from judging to me is a real powerful tool to be able to create safe spaces, right? Mm. You know, to, you know, just to, to, to demonstrate that I'm not perfect in in what I do uh, as I'm as a human being, but everything I'm doing, I'm, I'm really trying to, I am trying to be my best at it and to be genuine at it. And I, I think I, I, I was reading an article you know, in over the summer, they did some research on how do you know if you're humble? Because once you say you're humble, you just did you just kind of flip it upside down? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is a humility scale that uh, social sciences there that it's validated. Um, and I afterwards I can send you some uh, link to it if you want to see some of the, the research on it, and uh, if you want to post it with. Uh, the notes I can do that just let me know but I, I think humility is one of those things that helps get us in the right space and and the second thing and I, I'll, I'll make this one short is to be in a positive frame of mind and gratitude is the tool that's going to get you there so mm. I'll pause at that that's really cool and what a relationship maker right when you go into a group and especially if it's your first you know initial you know meet up with these people listen you know, if there's an issue, please call, you know, if I'm not doing what I should be doing, if you have any issues, please come and t- tell me about it. I think that is a huge relationship builder. 
Yeah, and that and that uh, that idea of vulnerability, I love. So going in with a positive intention and the desire to be positive in the moment, being intentional about that is key. But I love the idea of also being um, almost uh, uh, have a sense of reality too. Is that I'm not perfect. Here's what my intentions are. I may slip, or or even if I'm feeling really grumpy and off, starting a meeting, you're saying, you know, sorry, I'm I'm a little off sorts today, and so I might be coming across a little less um, uh, positive or whatever. I'm I'm working my way out of it, but I just wanted to set that up at the beginning. I'm here for you. I'm focused on going on for it. Those kinds of vulnerable. Uh, humble approaches to starting, I think set the tone not only for the meeting, but for others to be able to be more open and honest and humble themselves. It really works in the room, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It really works. You know, last week I was, uh, on last Tuesday I was speaking at a, a first responders mental health conference and I was doing the closing keynote. And so I, I bring a lot of, and they were looking for something around gratitude because they were dealing with a lot of heavy material, uh, you know, uh, that first responders are exposed to throughout their careers. And, um, and so I'm doing my grateful leadership um, uh, program. And I included a photo of me in a stretcher with a paramedic pushing me into the thing and I had a story around it and that was part of my session and I, I just I thought that was really appropriate it happened, happened about 12 years ago and I worked that story into the thing and I got off the stage and it was just like, oh man knocked it out of the park and so I'm talking to folks afterwards and then there was two people that were standing and they came up to me and they said we're paramedics and uh, just thanks for your talk and just want you to know I don't know if you know, but you know the paramedic in the picture, and they said her name. She died five years ago, mm. and it might have triggered some people in here. And we just thought you should know. And I just was like, I am so sorry. Um, you know, express condolence. But then my next step was, you know, this whole idea of I went over to the conference organizers, and I said, Denise. Lynn, something happened here. You need to know. And I told them because it's, I, I'm not perfect. And I just, I, for me, that is a, could I have done anything to prevent that? Well, I could have shared my whole slides with everyone and like maybe yes, no, but I just, I don't want, I wanted that mistake. I wanted them to hear it from me, mm. not from someone else, right? Um, yeah, I love that. Like it's it's the it's, I think it's another um, uh, positive leadership experience that you modeled in that moment. Is that is you know when we do mess up, own it, um, and mm. and don't try to defend it. Don't try to you know just own it apologizing because yeah. you don't know you know equally there might have been uh, a number of uh, paramedics that by you sharing the story of her they remembered and they were honored by the work that she did possibly mm -hmm. and and you know it helped them had fond memories of how amazing she was as a paramedic and you also had the other side but no matter what trying to explain it or what whatever just owning it um, listening 
um, and and responding in a loving way is the is is a beautiful example. Just even in that story of of how mm-hmm. leaders, when you mess up, own it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and respond in a in an ex- th- thankful for their feedback, of uh, for the courage of them bringing that forward to let you know, because um, that takes a lot. And then uh, you know it's what you do with it. Yeah. Thanks for that. That's good reflection. Hmm. Yeah, that was a really you know, that was something. This is what I like about this podcast, uh, Steve Greg is is that you know when somebody shares something like that, it's so thoughtful and it, it extends that experience so that we can all think about it because we've probably all been in those situations where you know something has happened that we didn't intend. And I, I just I'm just very thankful for that, Steve. Now, being mindful of time always, so I'm gonna jump to the next yes. question and let's talk about your present circumstances and activities and what you're doing in this leadership role you have. And I'm just going to ask Greg to pass over the book because I, I, I definitely want to take a look at this book, but if you could talk about, um, uh, gratitude at work and this book surviving to thriving the 10 laws of grateful leadership. So if you could give our listeners and ourselves actually uh, you know, what's going on right now in this, in this kind of leadership area that you're doing? It sounds like you're, you're speaking to everybody and just give us some idea of what's going on and, and, and what you do. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that, uh, that entree. Um, you know, to me, leadership has never been more important than in, at any time in history when you, you you look at the context of what's happening in the world in in the workforce in our communities in families and um we need more people to step up as leaders and and to me leader when i talk about leaders i don't care if you're the ceo of coca-cola or you're you know babysitting uh your it's your first babysitting job down the street or whatever you are a leader because leaders influence others and um and before you influence others though you have to influence yourself mm-hmm. right and and the, the the factor that has the greatest impact on how you influence yourself is your mindset and we've talked about this a couple times already in today's conversation and that mindset impacts how you and I and you listening, how you show up as a leader. And, you know, gratitude is one of the tools that you can use to help you build a mindset that's going to help you show up as a, a what, what I call a thriving leader. Um, you know, Martin Seligman, who has got way more credentials, way more credibility than me. Um, his model for human flourishing has like 24 different positive character strengths, things like uh, bravery, hope, love of learning, all these things. And, and I kind of joke and say, 24, how am I going to work on 24 positive character strengths? I can't remember three things when I go to the grocery store. <laughs> so anyhow, of one of Sligman's colleagues did some research and asked the question, what if you could only work on one? And uh, it's interesting. What he found was that gratitude was the single best predictor 
of showing up, of living a thriving life, of being having that thriving mindset. And it does two things. Number one, it helps you feel good because it always feels better to be in a positive emotional state, but it puts your brain in a different gear. Uh, it effectively, like when you're in a negative emotional state, right, we effectively shut off our our executive function, which controls critical thinking, decision-making, all the things we need when it feels like the world might be spinning out of control or when something something happens. It's just like, how do, how do I, how am I going to respond? To get yourself in a positive emotional state, um, absolutely critical. So there's a, you know, there's a very practical utilitarian aspect to it, but then there's a, a very virtuous isn't this way one ought to live in a, you know, in a positive emotional state. So, and, and, you know, I've been doing this for 16 years and this literature research has been around for more than 16 years, but in the last five years, it has just exploded. And it's almost like, you know, gratitude continues to be a, a, I'm not going to say a flavor of the month, but you see it and hear it. I see and hear it in so many different venues that I did not see or hear it 16 years ago. Mm. And I, I would assume, Steve, first of all, I, I really enjoyed your book. I love it that it's practical. You know, to your point, I'm, I'm like you, man. I, I just, I just, I, I can't remember that much. Three things on the shopping list. That's it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that might be, that might be a certain, uh, um, uh, uh, generational thing, maybe, uh, maybe a gender thing. I don't, but I think all of us are so swamped with things. But the thing that I was curious about and I, and, uh, uh, is that we live in a world, uh, that we're bombarded with, with reminders of what we don't have. Um, and, uh, what we need to have. Um, and so I imagine that although this, this, this journey towards gratefulness and gratitude is like everything around us is actually pushing against it. But, but I do believe that it is at the heart of this, almost this gate that opens the possibilities. Um, and so I'd love to just, you know, what are some of the great, couple of key practices that you find and you teach to others that can really help um, strengthen this gratitude muscle in a world that I think is actually telling us that we need more. Uh, forget about what you're grateful for. You need that. You know, uh, you don't have enough kind of thing. At least that's my perception. Yeah, it's my, it's my perception too. Because if you look at the news or open magazines or ads, it's, it's, it's causing us to focus on everything that we don't have. And there is a human tendency um, to focus on the negative. You know, negative attribution bias is what psychologists cause, call it. And so we have this tendency to focus on the negative and, and give it more attention. And it's, that's an evolutionary thing that helped us survive and evolve as a species. So it's a bit hardwired into us. So it is critical to build some really simple basic skills. And you can think of it similar to, you know, if you are involved in any sort of exercise routine and just say, let's say you go to the gym. You don't go to the gym once and work out and say, there, I'm done. I've got it all done. Because if you do, what happens to your muscles? They're going to atrophy and they're going to get, they're going to disappear. Same thing with your gratitude muscles. So I just encourage folks to develop what we call a habitual 
ritual. Just develop a ritual that you make a habit, habitual ritual. And I'm just going to give you two simple practices. I encourage you to do them every single day. Um, just decide how long you want. Make a commitment. Do it for 30 days and see what it does for you. Number one, just record a list of what you're grateful for. Write it down, either on paper or in the computer. Just take the extra step and get kinetics involved with it and, uh, and, and write it down. Don't just think about it. And secondly is consume other people's gratitudes. And when I say consume, I mean read or listen to what other people are grateful for because life is still going to deal you blows. Life is still going to have crap still happens. Gratitude does not make crap go away, but in the midst of the crap, it enables you to find the good. And when when I read or listen to what other people are grateful for in a shared experience type of way, because no one's telling me, Steve, you should like, you just had big power outages and a storm come through here on the weekend. And, you know, I've received, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of compassion from colleagues across the country. Just wondering, checking in on how we're doing. Some people have power, some people don't. No one's saying, Steve, you should be grateful that there's a thousand people working on the ground. That No one said that to me, mm -hmm. but I've read, I'm grateful that we've got a thousand crews from neighboring provinces and states that are here helping. And when I read that on Sunday morning, when I'm wondering if my freezer is going to, you know, you know, forget that I, that I even have a freezer and have that luxury worrying about food, it helps just ground me mm. with no one telling me, right? So consuming, listening to others on the days that we need it most, that's when that's really important. And, um, and, and you need a community for that, to be able to read or consume other people's gratitudes. And so, so just habitual ritual, make a list of what you're grateful for. And, and also add to that habit, get in the habit of reading or listening to what others are grateful for. So two simple powerful habits that I guarantee will be game changers for you. I, I love that, Stephen. You know what? It makes me think about my wife, Josette. So um, we've done the Enneagram. We've talked about this to uh, our, our uh, guests, our, our folks that listen to us. Uh, and I'm a seven, so I'm an enthusiastic visionary. I'm always positive. Look at the bright side going forward. <laughs> really? <laughs> and Josette is a loyal skeptic. So how she uh, deals with the world, she sees everything that go wrong and she figures out solutions in order to protect against them. So she has an exercise so, uh, um, that, that she started a while ago and building upon your second point. So she, there's, I think there's a website called the Positive News Network and there's a couple other ones that are just really positive um, news stories, nothing else, because we get everything else. Some and so what she started to do, and she's engaged me in it, is before we go to sleep, she usually has her show and tell that she pulls out the things that she's found during the day, and we end the day with just looking at these great um, stories, and they're often beautiful stories, you know, of soldiers coming back home and the kids running up, or things that beautiful things that others have done for others and to your point it warms the heart it kind of it kind of uh, works those muscles and so uh, I do a daily um, gratitude every morning I do uh, you know what are the three things and one thing that I've started to do is not only think of what I'm grateful for but 
who is a part of that gratefulness, which I think gets to your community aspect of it. But the, the I, I never really thought about the thing that Josette and I do, uh, that review at the end of the day, is exactly what you're talking about. And I think when you go to sleep with gratitude, of it, 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 it shifts things because again, there's there's joy, and I think uh, I, I, that's it. Never really it didn't strike me until just you said it now. Yeah, I, I love it. And, you know, when you start doing some of those deeper questions, like, who am I grateful to? Then, you know, another question you could ask is, what's their motivation? You know, we use that with our kids when they used to get a sweater for Christmas. You know, if they get a sweater, the head would just drop down. Oh. Okay, I know you wanted a toy or whatever. Man got, grandma got you a sweater, right? Why'd man get you that sweater? Because she loves me. Mm-hmm. Bingo. You got yeah. it, buddy. And so, so when we ask ourselves, what are the motivations? Behind? It really, it gets the focus off of us and puts it on others. And when we're on, when we're focused on others, that's when, you know, we, we're going to find more joy, more happiness. We're going to feel like life is a playground. Mm. That's awesome, Steve. Um, wow. There's a lot of stuff here. Let's do a quick final thoughts here. I, I don't, I'm not going to go first because I need to think about it for a minute. There's been a lot of stuff going on. Steve, do you have some final thoughts before we give you a, a bit of a plug space? Um, just, I would caution you not to discount the power of gratitude because it's so simple. And it's easy to take simple things. Oh, it's so simple. Just Resist the temptation to discount it because it's simple. And if I may challenge you, and I don't know you well, so I don't know if a challenge is a good thing to do to someone that you don't know, but I only challenge it to, you know, for 30 days, try the habitual ritual, record something you're grateful for each day and consume other people's gratitudes. Gregory? Yeah, wow. So many different things that you've talked about, both in your examples and then, of course, the work that you do. And uh, I got to imagine that the, that um, they may have not known the studies, but I got to imagine that Bruce, Jeff, and Rob um, had an inner sense of gratitude because I think gratitude creates abundance. Gratitude um, uh, creates humility Gratitude allows you to create a space for others to believe in themselves and also mm-hmm. in what they can do. So I think, uh, and 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 I I am going to take you up on your challenge. I'm going to I'm going to actually expand because I do do the daily gratitude and I do get a sense of it. But I love that idea of of that expanding it to um, and I lost the words it's it's consuming others gratitude I think that's really interesting and and I think how do I surround myself in that as well as thinking about it myself I'm going to do that myself but I think that you may have given us uh, uh, this podcast and our listeners a simple key that is almost a foundational piece for how you show up um, and how you to be more aware of how you're showing up um, as a uh, as a manager. So I really appreciate it. I'm gonna I'm 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 in for the challenge. 
Alistair, if I can jump in, I don't know if we got time. Uh, yeah, sure. Jump I'll, in quick. Be, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Greg, in a couple of weeks, you're going to be the guest contributor on the Daily Gratitudes. Now, do you see the connection? I, you are other other people are going to be consuming your gratitudes when we feature you as a guest with the week when with my yours. So you, you kind of put that together, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you know, I've started, I've started kind of my, my thinking of it and putting it together and even the work itself, to your point, has allowed me to go deeper. Cause you know what? Sometimes I'll do my gratitude in the morning and it'll be, yeah, I'm thankful for the squirrel that's running in front of me. And, and, and it's, and, and, but then I pause and I think, well, why am I grateful for that? And I'm grateful that I have a backyard that all these animals show up and, 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 and boy, it connects me to something bigger. So you're, uh, you're, I am on the journey and I am looking forward to being a guest contributor and, uh, and sharing some of my insights and hopefully others will consume some of the, the, the discoveries that I'm making. They absolutely will. And Alistair, as soon as I'm done, I'm going to be asking you as well, too. So expect an email here a little later this evening. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I, I think in wrap-up, uh, I think one of the gifts you've given me tonight, and it's probably reinforcing some things that are going through my life right now, is is how am I showing up as the person behind the desk? And and there's a bunch of different things going on in my life, and I found myself in a position, you know, uh, facilitating conversations and, and, and you know, in, in a couple of very difficult places uh, that, that people are experiencing some pain and stuff like that. So uh, I think what is important to me out of this conversation, it kind of goes back to something we were talking about earlier is, you know, when I'm sitting there, when I'm in the position of responsibility where I've been given a responsibility to have conversations and stuff, and this is in a whole bunch of different aspects of my life, that I am going to be very mindful in, in how I show up and, and actually to be grateful, uh, for being able to show up mm-hmm. and, and do some of the things that I do. So, um, thank you for that. Now, what do you have going on? Uh, or is there, uh, and I'm going to ask you at the, um, after we're done on the air that you email me anything you would want our listeners to have access to where they can get your book, uh, maybe your website, whatever we, we, we can deal with that and put that in the show notes. But if you want to briefly, uh, let our folks know what you got going on and, and things that they might be interested in. Yeah, fantastic. So we've got a community called 1 billion happier people. This is a place where I post my gratitudes every day. People in the community post our guest contributors post that we feature and it's a place where you can consume and record gratitudes. And it's really, it's there to help support people in being mastering grateful leadership and showing up as a, you know, um, a more compassionate, flourishing leader at work, at home, in your community. I mean, my business is called our business, gratitude at work, but to me, work is just it's the Trojan horse into the community, into the broader <laughs> world. Um, so th- th- we've got some free courses in there and uh, connected to that is my website. If you're interested in services, we have those two that you can pay for. But um, yeah, just 
come be a part of the community and help us reach our dream of 1 billion happier people. So thanks, Greg and Alistair. Really love being on the show. And I'll, I'll send you a couple links as well, too. Yeah, that'd be perfect because I'm sure there's people listening that would want to be connected to those things. So, uh, Steve, we're going to keep you on the line. We're going to go through a closing thing. But I just wanted, before we do that, just say thank you very much for taking the time and, and joining us. And we're thinking about all those people down east in, in Halifax. I've got a lot of family down there. Uh, we hope uh, that you know those people <laughs> waiting on power don't have to wait too long. And we are appreciative of all the people that are pouring into Nova Scotia, those people that you know uh, work electricity and stuff like that. And so thank you, Steve, very much for coming in. And uh, for our listeners, we will for sure put some links and stuff into the show notes. So uh, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. So uh, listen, we hope that some of what we've spoken about you find helpful. We hope that we didn't, you didn't find anything we spoke of offensive or made you angry. But I think, uh, Greg, your philosophy lands well in this episode as well. Yeah, we always end uh, with some great wisdom that I was given, uh, gifted from uh, my first coach. And uh, she said, when we come together, there are going to be things that you're, we're going to talk about and things that you're going to bubble up that are going to make you happy and joyful and things that are going to make you churn and be a little peeved. And the joy and happiness are things that, you know, you're really making traction, you're growing, you're learning. And the peeved and churn, those are things that maybe you're stumbling a little bit, maybe you're not doing as well. But, you know, both of these are gifts. It's what we choose to do with them and and how we choose to grow and learn from them. And even in this podcast, we've talked about those stumbles that we've either experienced or we've actually uh, uh, caused and, uh, and what we learn from them and how we respond and how we react, these things. So uh, we hope that in the podcast, you've felt a little bit of both emotions, maybe a little bit of joy of things you're doing well, and maybe a little churn that's that inspiration for you to shift to grow and to try again. That's awesome. And I think it, it, it lands well on this episode. So Greg, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Shout out? Shout out, yes. So uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. There's probably two ways, but Daly City or Daly City, California. Welcome to the podcast. Wow. Welcome to the family. California, yes. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm welcome. Remember, folks, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They are part of your job. They're important. They're important for your success or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.